So today, I want to share with you the final message in the series, and I've titled it, Persevere in the Process. Persevere in the Process. In Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read this passage here, um, but there's there are some amazing truths inside of this passage that sometimes we may not see uh, because we're reading quickly or because we've heard the story a lot. So I'm going to ask you, we never ask you to check your brain at the door. I'm going to ask you to actually engage your mind today in the word of God as we look at it and take your time in this process of hearing the word of God because it can bring life change to each one of us. So let's start in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. The word of God says this, Jesus speaking, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So in this passage of scripture, as Jesus is talking to the people who have been gathered there, he's actually, if you read the entirety of Matthew chapter 7, he's talked about personal relationships, about judgment, about forgiveness, about all of these things. And now he's telling them, those who hear these words of mine and do them are like the wise person who builds the house on the rock. And I think that wise men and wise women throughout history have built their houses on the rock, not just physical houses. Obviously, there's a spiritual application that we're using today. But building your house on the rock means hard work. Everybody say hard work. But we live in a microwave, quick fix society where we want everything done instantly. Our culture demands it, it seems. The society around us, um, it's If it's not efficient and quick, we don't want it because we'll spend extra time going another route in order to get something quicker. That's really kind of built into our society and culture these days. So if you don't like your marriage, you can go get a new one. People want to walk into their designer home with their movers who have already set up all the furniture and just walk in the door and flip the light switch and sit down on the couch. I mean, that's an inherent um, attraction inside of all of us that we are impatient. You know, people want to fix their crooked teeth in one week. (laughs) I'm not going to smile because I think I I have a couple crooked ones. People want to lose a hundred pounds in a month. If you just drink this, you'll, you'll do it. You want to look 30 years younger by one application of this $100 cream, you rub it on your face, and literally the next night you will be, you know, the beautiful princess kind of thing and take 30 years off. You know, we we want the top salary for the executive position, but we don't necessarily want to do the work starting from the bottom to go to the top. We haven't put in the hard work in some cases in our lives, and that's why we don't deserve that 
place. So I, I think about this because there's a spiritual application as well. And that is, if the shoe fits, wear it today. But if not, share this great message with somebody else. Because in this microwave culture and society, we all want to be spiritual giants, but none of us want to eat our vegetables to help us grow. The vegetables of forgiveness or learning about generosity or or loving our neighbor or like we shared in Pray First this morning, praying for those who despitefully use you, who hate you. And how much more so should you pray for one another? Amen. So hard work is no fun, but the reward is unto itself. In Matthew chapter 7, what ends up happening in this passage of scripture is we tend to really focus in on, if we'll go back to that first verse in uh, chapter 7 verse 24, we tend to focus when we've read this passage before, all of us are guilty of this, we all start talking about the storms of life. But I think there's something much deeper here. And it's not just Jesus is the rock to build your life upon. And I don't mean to make light of that, but that seems to be like the go-to catchy sort of way to give a summary of this this, uh, passage. So you shouldn't build your life on sand or your marriage on sand or your spiritual life on sand. But this morning, I think if we dig a little deeper, Jesus' words here are significant because it talks about the work that goes into building something worthy. And if we want our lives to be worthy of what God has called us to be, then we have got to put in some hard work. We have got to say no. That's why when you, there's a funny video that's going on uh, online that uh, there's a fit person there and they're like, hey, I'm going to give you the secret to uh, to get six-pack abs. Here's the secret. Are you ready? And then he says, put down your phone, walk out of your house, and go to the gym. <laughs> you know, like, because we, we want that sort of instantaneous... Today, I want to show you some things in the word of God that really help us understand that the digging, the prep work, all of that stuff is important. You know, throughout scripture, God used terms that people could understand. Aren't you glad? (laughs) Okay, I'm glad uh, I grew up memorizing and learning the King James Version of the Bible, uh, but I don't think I've ever said the in my life outside of that. Um, So I'm glad that there are easy to read versions of the Bible for me today in my modern understanding. But in the original context, God was delivering messages to people who were very agricultural. So there are a ton of agricultural terms throughout scripture. If you, uh, if you take a look at it, you can hear Jesus using agricultural terms all the time, talking about planting a seed. You will reap what you sow. All those people knew that. They all had their own grocery store in the backyard to grow their vegetables. But God also uses some architectural terms that are helpful to us too. And so even though there's some similarities, there's some major differences. In the general idea, I can throw a seed in the ground, put a little bit of water in it, and it does its thing. I would love for my life to only merely be in agricultural terms. But there's a reason why God puts something like this in scripture and starts to talk about architecture and the building of something that's worthwhile. Because it takes a lot of work to build a house that will stand the test of time. The waves, the wind, all of those things, the storms of life. 
So I think that we get scared of hard work. I know I have a child um, who's scared of hard work. Uh, do you know anybody who's scared of hard work? Okay. Oftentimes the work is not as hard as you imagine. But we freak ourselves out about it and then we just clam up and we end up not proceeding or pursuing and going on to the thing that we've set our goal and our mind to do because we've just kind of clammed up thinking, "Uh, I'm not sure I can do that. So when it comes to the spiritual nature of our lives, which is all-encompassing, I think that if we resist the process of building just because it's hard, then we will be the house that's built on the sand. So when the storm of life does come, when issues do arise, then we will fall. We've been talking about discipline and staying the course. I guess I could have named this series Baby Steps. Because that's really what it's all about. Uh, you look at a child who is just learning to walk and they bump into things. They knock stuff over. They have boo-boos and ouchies. That sort of thing is a common place. But in their mind, they've already felt the surge of achievement. And they know this is what they're supposed to do. And so they keep going and keep getting better. Until we've got like superhumans who run races in milliseconds, it seems. To be able to win great victories as adults. They started out the same way that you and I did with baby steps. And so I think that if we are considering our spiritual life and the work that it takes to be a healthy believer, that we've got to understand we're going to go through stuff, but God is with us. We're going to achieve something, but God is the one who's directing our steps and guiding our path. So we've got to, we've got to get this in our mind so that we can understand sometimes this process that God does in our life, it involves heartache. It involves heartbreak. It's hard to remember the truth of this when you're experiencing the heartache and the heartbreak. When it gets messy, when people start leaving you in your life, when friends start to disappear, when stuff like that starts to happen, you wonder, God, what in the world? Because you don't know what lies on the other side of that, but he does. And he's got you in a process. And although it's messy, you need to persevere. You need to push forward in the process. And I think the first step is this. You've got to do some prep work. Preparation really is really important. It is paramount to the building. So preparation is better because if we have that in our lives, we will not face the same fate that the person who built their house on the sand is like. And here's what I love about God. I love that he sent his son Jesus to the earth and he gave him a job. You say, well, his job was the cross and the grave and the... Okay, but he had an actual paying job while here. I want you to think about that. God has always been a builder. When his son was here temporarily... He was also in carpentry. He was a builder. God is building. Jesus said, I'm leaving so that I can prepare a place for you. And guess what? He is still building in your life when you let him. The preparation for building a physical house depends on the soil you're in. And um, if you live anywhere in the Jackson metro area, (laughs) chances are you've seen cracks. 
You might have heard the term Yazoo clay, but I've actually done some research and read an actual geologist paper. I don't know what they call that, but a paper from 1988 that gave an, uh, just an overwhelming overview of this thing that we have in this area called Yazoo clay. And here are some details that I just want you to think about the differences of soil. This clay deposit that we are on, and if you walk through our connection center, you can see the evidence of it in the crack in the foundation that we have on the floor. The clay deposit spans 30 miles wide in some places and is as deep as 500 feet down in some places. It's a belt that covers nearly three quarters the span of central Mississippi from northwest to southeast across the central Mississippi region. And it's expansive, so it grows as it absorbs water, kind of like a sponge does. This is the reason that your roads, <laughs> our roads, are like roller coasters. It's the reason that it seems like every house on every street in 11 counties has cracks, either in the foundation or the walls or both. It's because of the soil that we sit on. I want you to think about that because the soil is important that you build your life upon. The soil is so important and preparation for that is important. So it depends on the soil that you're in. Here's the thing that I'm going to tell you. The soil that you choose is really where it's at. Choose to invest and to put in the hard work. It'll be worth it if you build your house on the right soil. That rock foundation that Jesus is telling us that we should build our house upon, it takes preparation and some digging and hard work, but the results can be wonderful. But you've got to persevere in the process. I can remember growing up in the Northeast. How many of you have ever visited a place that has mountains? Because Mississippi does not. Okay, uh, So in places where they have mountains, I remember sitting in, in the car, riding in the car through areas like Pennsylvania and the Delaware Water Gap. And as, they, as you are driving down the road, you literally can see the rock face beside you, the cross section really, of the mountain. Because they've blown through the rock so that you don't have to go up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. But all of that takes a lot of work because then they've got to move all the rubble and they've got to do all that prep and then they've got to so I hope that you're understanding that they went to extraordinary lengths to do something like that which is just to benefit your convenience so when God says in his word when Jesus says that we're to love our enemies when we're to pray for those who despitefully use us when we're to forgive those who hurt us that's the hard work that's necessary and we've got to stay disciplined and keep going because really the truth is God has a plan for each one of us and it involves hard work. Matthew chapter 7, maybe you didn't think that when you signed up for this, but I, I want you to think about it now that it will involve hard work. Let's look again at that first verse. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the secret there is not only hearing, but doing. I'm going to church today because I'm going to hear the word. Oh, pastor preached a good word this Sunday. Oh, I'm going to, how about Monday morning when you're drinking your coffee, finishing your Bible reading, 
Lord, help me to do your word today because I've heard your word. We've got to understand that there's a connection there, that it's not merely hearing it, but it's also the doing of it. Because any spiritual result that's worthwhile does not come easily and does not come quickly. I'm preaching better than my wife shouting this morning. Pay attention and listen to me. Any spiritual result worthwhile in your life, any growth in your life, any area where you've stayed the course and where you've hunkered down and you've persevered, any of those results did not come easily or quickly. They came through trial and hardship and pain. So when we look at those things, our natural tendency is to say, no, thank you. I don't want any. But the reality is, is that good stuff comes as a result of that. In fact, I'm going to say it like this. I've learned more in the hard things I've walked through in my life than I have in the successes of my life. That's, that's just me. Maybe it's a couple of us. But that's a reality for me is that even though I hated it, even though I resisted it, even though it was heartbreaking, even though it involved shakeups of my family and finance and all those things, everything hard I've gone through has taught me something. That's why I love the older generation because they learned everything the hard way. <laughs> and, and we just want to read about it in a book and be done. Here's the deal. God wants you and I, as we're learning life and building a spiritual life, to be working and doing the hard work. You know, I started thinking about it like this because I, um, I love to cook. I don't get as often as a chance to do that because of a busy life and things like that. Um, I still have a subscription to a food magazine that comes to the house and I look through all the pages. Anybody else with me on that? Got that? No, just me. Okay. So, <laughs> um, but I started thinking about like this. God is not McDonald's driven or oriented. He's all about a slow cooking process. Now, I think uh, there's a huge difference if you've ever had, if you've ever tasted the difference between authentic, original, homemade cornbread and jiffy in a box. Right? Exactly. That makes you shiver, doesn't it? There's a big difference when you are running late for work and you're like, I'm stopping by the store. I'm going to grab me a quick lunch to eat. And you grab that lean cuisine and it says steak and peppers and potatoes. And you throw that thing in the microwave and two minutes, 30 seconds later, you've got something that should be edible, but taste, I mean... There's a difference between that and going out to a place like a steakhouse where they've got organic grass-fed beef that's prime-aged. And I know I'm making you hungry talking about this. Think about it like this. There's a difference between you if you've ever put ribs in the oven and gotten them done in an hour and a half or you've tasted the succulent nature of a delicious barbecue rib that's been smoked over hickory wood for 10, 12, 14 hours. God is about the slow cooking process. It's about that sort of method. We've got these tips and tricks. I can tell you how to do ribs in an oven that are kind of okay. But if you were to not have any moisture on them and wrap them tight and put them inside of something and smoke them for 10 to 14, you all of a sudden the natural stuff in the meat comes out and it's amazing. That's what your life is like or can be like as it regards spiritual results. But we don't want to put in the hard work.
or it's taking too long, or I thought I should be there by now. I'm telling you, it's a good message. You should share it with your friends. We appreciate it when someone else does the work for us, but essentially Jesus is saying that no one else. I want you to hear his words. I'm, I'm giving emphasis and giving you my understanding of the underlying nature of what he's saying, but he is essentially saying no one else can do the work. You are the one that builds this house. It's you who's got to stay the course. The easy way to build something is to slap something together, but the final result is horrible. Okay, It's absolutely not good. I've slapped some things together in my life, and they've fallen apart very quickly. Jesus tells us that the foolish man who doesn't put in the hard work will be put to shame because his house will crumble like a deck of cards. It's going to all go up. It's going to all just fall apart. I want you to think about this, which Jesus doesn't say this word exactly or this phrase exactly. But if he's talking about the crumbling of a house, I have got to believe there are inhabitants in that house. And so my thought as I look through this passage of scripture is that my actual spiritual life is at stake. Because spiritual death is a guarantee to those who just listen to the word, but don't do the word of God. Throughout this series, we've been talking about staying the course. And the way to do that is to make sure that you put in the hard work that's necessary in preparation. The obvious application is to do the word, not just hear it. But there are a few other things I want to tell you that will maybe help you as you stay the course. You've got to stay the course when the process takes longer than expected. If you've ever bought a house or bought a car, (laughs) you know that the process does not always go according to plan. If you've ever built something with your own two hands, you realize that kinks in the plan end up happening. And that as you put it together and as you start to craft it, you realize, oh wait, I didn't consider this thing. And so then your, your process is extended or laid out further. Life happens and wind and rain do come, but you've got to determine to stay the course. You've got to understand, and this is what I hope that the believers in Celebrate Church will take from a message series like this, that it's not all about the devil getting in your business. It's about you choosing to stay the course with God as your anchor through whatever storm comes your way so that you can come out on the other side victorious. Because you are his kid. He doesn't, he doesn't know defeat. And he doesn't want you to know defeat in this process. We do know failure, obviously, and we know that there are things that we cannot do. But with, with God, all things are possible to those who believe. You've got to hold on to hope when the process takes longer than expected. You've also got to stay the course when discouragement comes along when discouragement tries to overwhelm you i think about a person like thomas edison a great inventor american and all all the great things that he had i was talking to a buddy at work the other day and i said hey what you doing tonight he said well my first stop is home depot i'm going to pick up some edison bulbs and i thought that's that's kind of cool we we have something even hundreds of years like like this is awesome he did 
But do you know how many times he failed before he found the right thing? And do you know how many more times it got tweaked even now in modern days so that we can have electricity? There's a huge process, but circumstances sometimes delay that process and discouragement sometimes delays that process. So here's what I want to tell you about this. Encouragement is found by those who seek it in the right place. You say, well, where is the right place to find encouragement? I'm going to tell you, there are three places to find encouragement. They are the word of God. Miss Mandy and I were talking about that this morning. I love the Psalms. I think that's incredible that David had a pen and a pad in his bag as he's running for his life from a king who is threatening to kill him. And yet he had time to say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I won't start now. The word of God should be your primary source for encouragement. The second is this, the spirit of God. He lives today inside of us as believers. He can help you walk through moments of discouragement. We're not talking about clinical depression and things like that today. I'm talking about, I'm trying to get there and I've been set back and now I'm kind of off course and I don't feel like I've got the hope inside of me to keep going. But when I am discouraged, I can find the encouragement I need because I can lean on the spirit of God and say, Holy Spirit, will you help me? I'll give you another secret. It's not that much of a secret. Worship. I'm telling you, there are songs that will play today that I remember leaning into. We use that phrase pretty flippantly, but I remember holding on to the truth of the words of those worship songs when we were going through what we knew then and know now was the darkest night we had faced. I remember holding on to that and feeling my spirit just surge with hope, even in the midst of all of that pain. So you've got to understand the word of God and the spirit of God are your source. But let me tell you something. The people of God are also a source of encouragement to you. You've got to get connected. If you're not connected... Ooh, I almost said it. Should I say it? I should say it. If you're not connected, you're no good. Okay, you think about it. It's true. If you are not connected, because Jesus himself and Paul talks about the body of Christ being connected, and I need the thumb, and I need the appendix, and I need the foot. I need you, and you need me. And the only way we can do this together is if we're connected. So don't miss out. Get connected. Serve, show up to small group. So what you're an introvert, just listen for a little bit. Share your life with other people. Let them share their life with you. Through that comes spiritual health. You can do it over coffee. You can do it in a small group. You can do it with a phone call. But the people of God are a source of encouragement. They've always been a source of encouragement to me. I know it to be true in my own life. So as you trust God in your process, discouragement can dissipate. We all do get discouraged, but don't stay discouraged. Just remember you're in a process. 
You're in a process as it turns, as it comes to your marriage, as it comes to your job and career, as it comes to your spiritual life. There are processes there and you've got to hunker down sometimes and stay the course in the middle of that process. You've also got to stay the course when circumstances delay you. If you've ever known, we have somebody in our church who's a realtor and she's dealt with many people who have bought and sold homes. I'm sure she could probably tell some wild stories about contractors saying that they couldn't get out to the property and do the digging, that they couldn't do this, that they couldn't do that. The process gets delayed because circumstances sometimes crowd it out and they start to slow down the process. But don't forget, don't forget that you're in a process. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul is telling the church, he says in the previous part of verse 13, he says essentially that he's forgetting what lies behind him and he's pressing on for what's ahead of him. And he says this, I press on toward the goal or toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And if you read through Acts, you'll hear the stories, crazy stories about being shipwrecked and being broke and not having, he went through hell, but he chose to keep his eyes on the prize, which was an eternity with God. And that he knew that God had given him gifts and passions to work and to do something here on this world, on this earth that would change the kingdom of God forever. You've got to stay the course when excuses are convenient. When is an excuse not convenient? (laughs) I mean, oh, I'm sorry, I just forgot. Oh my, you know, we start with that historical, the dog ate my homework, okay? The excuses are convenient, but they're not productive. You know what it delays? An excuse delays your growth, You go home and preach this to yourself in the mirror, okay? An excuse will delay your growth. So when we talk about it in the spiritual context, having an excuse is, everybody has them, there are plenty of them to choose from, but they're not productive. I've heard excuses as a pastor, and please hear me well, I am not on a soapbox in this moment. I do not deal with issues in the church from this platform. So hear me well. I'm talking about other people in other places. Well, I just don't have the time to serve, pastor. You know, I've got a job and a family. I do too. Well, I just, I haven't figured out how to really like budget in the tithe because like 10% seems a whole lot. But somehow it seems so tiny when you only get a 10% discount off of something. Really? That's all you get is 10%? Oh, shoot. Am I preaching too hard? Okay. All right. Hear me well. I've heard it all. I've said most of them. There are things in my house. We've lived there since July. Still yet undone. My wife looks at pictures on the floor that aren't hung. I look at those pictures on the floor, not hung. Today, honey, maybe I'll hang some, okay? I'm going to discipline myself. But excuses are convenient, but, but, it, they, <laughs> but the hard work is rewarding. Uh, Lord, help me in my marriage. <laughs> okay. Moving right along. You've got to stay the course when excuses get convenient. 
here's, here's excuses uh, I've heard. Well, pastor, I'm not a morning person. Do I really have to get up that few extra minutes and spend time with Jesus? I've heard the other excuse of, you know, I'm not an extrovert and uh, I'm, I just don't know if I could lead something in the church or I'm not, I, I don't know if I could serve. I don't know if I have any gifts that are usable. Yes, you do. Yes, you can. <laughs> we will help you. We need the help. So read the Bible, but do the Bible. Put in the work. And when you do the word of God, Jesus himself gives you a guarantee that the house you're building will stand the test of time when he is your partner. You've also got to stay the course in a culture where commitment has become a dirty word. It is not a dirty word. God has committed himself to humanity so much that he sacrificed his son for the benefit of all, although all will not take him up on that. Commitment is not a dirty word. I don't think I'm in love with my spouse anymore, so I should just pack up and try to find a new one. Or my my job is really hard right now. I think I'm just going to go look for something better. better. We cancel our commitment just because we want to not endure some of the hard work. And what ends up happening is you short circuit the process that God's got you in when you cancel your commitment. I'm preaching to somebody today that needs to know that God expects things from you more than you just showing up on a Sunday morning. He expects you to be a light in your job, in your workplace. He expects you to lead and guide your family in the ways of righteousness. He expects you to love your neighbor. He expects you. There's a lot of expectation. And you can't do it all without failing and falling and fumbling through it. But God. But God. He is your partner. I want you to listen to this final encouragement in James chapter 1. Verse 22, it says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once he's forgotten what he was like. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, talking about the word of God, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Man, that's a good word for celebrate church. That the hard work is worth it. It has been. I stand here today confident with some people in the room who I would call originals being able to say to you, the hard work has been worth it. Have there been seasons? Yes. Have they ended? Yes. Are we going to find another season at some point that might have hardship? Yes. But with God, all things are possible to those who believe. So I want you to leave today encouraged and equipped, knowing that what you're going through right now, whether it's in your marriage, your job, your finance, whatever it may be, that God can help you as you focus in on his word. He can help you to build the house on the rock. Would you stand with me today? We pray a prayer often in our church, not because we're liturgical in any sense of the word, but because I think that there's some amazing 
significance in the simple phrase, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I can tell you what I think the Holy Spirit is saying to all of us, which is what I've just done over the last 20 minutes. But I believe with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit can direct you inside of yourself right now as you just close your eyes and just humbly ask. You can whisper the words out loud. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And the key is this. To not just listen to what he says, but to then act upon it. To be a doer this week. And not just this week for a short season, but to commit today. Lord, I'm sorry for the areas of my life where I I haven't been a doer of your word. And I'm committing today that with your help, we're going to build this house. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's what Jesus said about his house, the kingdom of God, the people of God. He said that the house he was building was not going to be on the sand. It wasn't going to be on something shaky. It wasn't going to be on Yazoo clay. It was going to be on a firm rock based foundation. Lord, I pray that over celebrate church that in the mighty name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name that today as we commit, help us in this moment to commit to you by the spirit of God with your help to build our lives on you, on your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.